Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. On a day Arsenal had no margin for error, it was Liverpool who slipped. Let it bounce, Martinelli showed an interest, and Martinelli rolled it in! Curious, and for Liverpool, catastrophic. How can that happen? As Liverpool faltered, Arsenal took advantage to move within two points of the top of the Premier League. Having failed to hold their nerve last season, are Arsenal capable of lasting the distance this time around? Champions Manchester City, though, still have a couple of games in hand and are just five points from the top. Were they the real winners this weekend? I'm Ayoa Kimuleri. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. We've got the Athletics Oli Kerr and also our Arsenal writer James McNicholas as well. James, I'll come to you on this one. This is quite definitive, this result, in terms of turning this into a true three-horse race, really. Yeah, I think from a neutral perspective, it's a really exciting result because it does open up the title race and means there is a threat potentially to break that kind of duopoly of Manchester City and Liverpool. Uh, this was a massive game. You know, for Arsenal and for Liverpool. I think if Liverpool had avoided defeat, even here, they would have been in such a strong position. This just drags Arsenal back into the fight and they absolutely needed the win yesterday. You know, I was chatting to a few Arsenal fans before the game and they were saying, well, maybe a draw, you know, keeps the gap what it is. It's not the worst thing. And I, I was insistent. I think Arsenal needed to win this really to reassert their title credentials and just reduce that gap and make it much tighter. They did that. Uh, and now it really does set up an, an intriguing scenario for the, what the remainder of the season. Uh, you'd think given their experience, given the fact they've been there and done it before, Manchester City and Liverpool probably still would be the two favourites. But Arsenal have shown they're in the fight. Yeah, what was the feeling inside the stadium? Uh, you know, I, I was watching it on, on TV like many other people. That They sounded like the 12th men, the fans. It, it was loud. I'm glad that came across on TV. Yeah, I was in the ground and... There was an amazing atmosphere. It's actually been a bit of a talking point among Arsenal fans this season. You know, is the atmosphere quite what it was last season? And I think the, the general consensus has been no, not quite. And there were a lot of factors that went into last season. You know, they were quite unexpected challenges, Arsenal. They sort of overachieved. And I think that led to kind of a real enthusiasm and disbelief and Everyone was just kind of on board this train. And this season, it's taken a little bit of a while to get going. There's been an atmosphere for some of the bigger games, but other games, it's been a bit quieter. There have been increased expectations, a bit more tension in the crowd, a lot of money spent. Us all need to go and win at this point in time. But last night, yesterday afternoon, rather, you really sensed the crowd knew they had a role to play. And Mikel Arteta spoke about it afterwards. He said, if we're going to be there at the end of the season, we need the crowd as engaged as they were for this game. Um, 
they were really on their feet for the whole 90 minutes. Apart from a little wobbly spell, shall we say, just at the start of the second half, where Arsenal had just given away that equaliser. And I think Liverpool flew out the traps a bit for the second half, looked much, much more confident. But the beginning of the game and the end of the game, the Arsenal fans were really in full voice and not heard the stadium like that for some time. Uh, and it bodes well for them for, for what remains of the campaign. Yeah, Oli, um, this result now takes Arsenal two points behind Liverpool. Obviously, we know Manchester City have still got a couple of games in hand. But I want to talk about concentration because I feel like it was lapses of concentration that sort of defined this game in many respects, both for Liverpool and, and Arsenal uh, as well. But did we see some of those lapses of concentration that we saw last season from an Arsenal perspective sort of start creeping in as well? Yeah, it, it was a nail-biting enthralling game, dramatic game, without necessarily being as high quality game as, as you might sort of hope. Similar in some ways to the um, the 1-0 against Arsenal Man-, Man City earlier in the season, which was very tense and not, you rarely saw, saw those sort of really high moments of quality. All of the four goals that were scored, I mean, three of them were absolute dog's dinner, weren't they? I don't know, would you call it lapses? Would you call it Something else. Um, I mean, in terms of Arsenal, we just talk about Arsenal. I, I thought Arsenal were, you know, absolutely bang on first half. There was that just one slight loss of concentration for the for the goal, and it was it was. I could understand what happened. It, it looked comical, but it was an understandable split second lapse, which was forced really by Diaz. So I I, I thought Arsenal's focus was was bang on for the whole game as it was against Man City. And it was uh, the way they've approached those two games tactically and mentally has been extremely impressive. James, Arsenal have the you know joint best defensive record in the league this season, 22 conceded and also joint most clean sheets. Yet I, I can imagine Arsenal fans in the stadium were watching that Diaz goal or own goal, whichever way you want to look at it and think, oh goodness me, this isn't us again. Are we, are we going through this again? These moments that are really defining and can actually cost that team and we've seen to cost Arsenal in the past there must be that fear within that fan base to think oh man have we not learned from these mistakes before I think so I mean it was uncharacteristic on William Saliba's part you know he shows such composure at the back at times maybe almost too much composure in that particular instance I think he would have been better served by doing the simple thing you know and getting the ball out of play I think the context is is key. You're right before half time. You're leading Liverpool. It's such a big game. I think you sometimes you just got to take the straightforward option, and uh, certainly he'll learn from that. I think sometimes we forget he's still only 22 years old, uh, and these kinds of errors maybe are part of the development of a young centre half, and he is still a developing player. But yeah, I think the fans were put on edge by that a little bit, and for Liverpool, you know, it, it kind of must have made Jurgen Klopp's halftime team talk quite straightforward in that I think they were outplayed in the first half, but they were given a lifeline. And I'm sure they all had the sense at halftime, maybe this is our year, you know, something's really gone for us there, a goal almost out of nothing. And I think you could see that a little bit in the way they attacked the second half. But then, of course, they were undone by maybe an even more uncharacteristic error with Virgil van Dijk and Alisson, both you know going completely AWOL on that Gabriel Martinelli goal. I mean, I'm sure Jurgen Klopp, He'll, he'll only be able to shake his head ruefully at that and wonder what on earth happened because two such experienced pros who are so reliable so much of the time, extraordinary that a moment like that could effectively decide the game. 
on a from a Liverpool perspective, Jamie Carragher naturally <laughs> on 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 his on the show on Sky Sports talked about how this felt like a bigger game for Arsenal that than Liverpool. I mean, Liverpool are firing on all cylinders at this moment in time. Should Liverpool fans be a little bit worried uh, as to how they showed up at the Emirates, considering the fact that twice this season they've got one over twice over on Arsenal already? Yeah, perhaps if you if you look at the way that the game panned out the other week and um, the FA Cup game, Liverpool was certainly second best. They were they were much more overrun in the first half of that game than they were than at any point on on Sunday, uh, and yet they got lucky, I suppose, with some errant fi- finishing in the FA Cup game and 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 ended up winning two nil. Whereas this time they they lost the game. I mean, they, they were probably second best for large periods of both games. So, I guess Arsenal learnt from some of their mistakes, were a bit more clinical this time and were even more focused and even more fired up this time. And Liverpool just weren't weren't at it. It was a flat performance from them, really. So in terms of whether it's the start of things to come, I mean, you are allowed to have a, a bad day at the office. You are allowed to lose games or you, you always used to be allowed to lose games without it being a sudden, <laughs> a sudden crisis talk. But it just feels like the, the margin for error is so small in this league. And obviously Arsenal had it themselves a few weeks ago, you you lose one game or, you know, God forbid, you lose two games on the run. And it just feels like the sky's falling in because you just feel like you can't afford to drop any points with this Manchester City team around. So it, it's, it was definitely a bigger game for Arsenal because they probably needed to win as to win in order to stay in touch and stay in that title race and really make sure it was a three horse race rather than a one horse or two horse race but it now means the next game is going to be very big for Liverpool isn't it yeah I, I think it's interesting to think about that FA Cup tie it provided a bit of a template for this game in some ways Arsenal were shorn of Gabriel Jesus who they lost with an injury close close to the game in the, in the days preceding there was some talk that Thomas Partey might be available again. He obviously wasn't. And it meant that Arteta almost had to pick a very similar team to the one that started the FA Cup game with Jorginho next to Rice, Havertz up top. Uh, and they almost formed a kind of, you know, they call it like a magic square in the midfield with Jorginho and Rice deeper, Odegaard and Havertz ahead of that. It worked brilliantly in the FA Cup game is the truth of it, but they just didn't finish the chances. This time they got a few more breaks in front of goal and got the result that they that they were looking for. I think maybe the most encouraging thing from an Arsenal perspective is apart from that goal that they gifted Liverpool, you know, Liverpool really struggled to create. And this is, albeit without Mohamed Salah, I think maybe the best attacking team in the division. Uh, one shot on target. And I think it was the same when City came to the Emirates, one shot on target. Uh, John McKenzie of TIFO went quite early with it uh, in the autumn. I think it was around October time. He said Arsenal have become the best out-of-possession team in world football. Um, I'll have to take his word for it. What, what I can say is they are extremely good in that respect. Their shape, their structure, their discipline. I think that is the foundation for them. And historically, that's proven a pretty good foundation for a title challenge. So... There'll certainly be a lot of optimism among the Arsenal fans this morning. You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Ayo Akinwalere. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. 
Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. The maturity that, that our team is demonstrated today, it was it was huge. When we could uh, we could play and when we couldn't play from the back and understand when we we should look should go long as well. So that maturity is uh, really helped us and uh, took us to where we were. James, I'm just thinking about last season and you know how it dropped off um, quite badly for Arsenal. A really pivotal point in in, in the season. Um, do we feel? from watching this team, mm. there's something a little different about about this team because I, I looked at the post-matcher, you know, Declan Rice and Jorginho were being interviewed uh, by Sky and Jorginho talked about a maturity in, in, in this squad um, or a growing maturity. Do you, do you feel that? I mean, the defensive record in itself should give us an indication of that, surely. I think so. I mean, the two players you mentioned are making a difference at this point in time. It's interesting when you look back at that crunch period last year when things started to go wrong. I remember thinking at the time, I I sort of thought Mikel Arteta might make more use of Jorginho, who's such an experienced player, who's really been there, done that. For such a young team, I think that provides a real value. And after his performance yesterday, I think he will play a, a major role in the next few months. Then you mentioned Declan Rice. I mean, he's been a tremendous addition. And we speak about Arsenal being good out of possession. I think he exemplifies that. You know, his uh, intelligence, his athleticism. It was interesting yesterday against Liverpool. You kind of expected Jorginho to be the deepest midfield player and Rice given licence to get forward. But actually it was the other way round. And I think that spoke to Liverpool's threat on the counter-attack. And Arteta just thinking Declan Rice is so good at snuffing out those transition moments of picking up all those loose balls. As for whether the team will generally have learned from last season, I guess we'll see. You know, the great lesson, I suppose, was to peak at the right time. And there is this feeling with this Arsenal side that although they've had very good results and they've shown pretty impressive consistency, apart from that wobble just before the new year, we've not quite seen the best of them as yet. That maybe there is even more potential in this team, that if they can unlock some of the attacking vibrancy to go with that defensive solidity, there may be another level for them to go to. I think they'll have to go to that if they are to win the league. I think they'll need to show more than they've shown already this season to beat an excellent Liverpool side, an outstanding Manchester City team. I think they'll have to find another level, another gear. But the potential is there. And when you look, I think maybe most encouraging for Arsenal is when you look at the youth in the team, the fact that many of these players are approaching their prime. This, of course, is Jurgen Klopp's last season. I think whether or not Arsenal go on and do it this year, I think they're going to be really well positioned, maybe over the next four to five years, to kind of be a contender. And that's, I mean, I know Arsenal fans want to think about the here and now, they want to think about this season, but I think when you step back, and you look at this next kind of era for the Premier League, I think Mikel Arteta and Arsenal are really well positioned. James, in terms of like how we're seeing that midfield setup, Jorginho Rice, is that a foreseeable pairing to see this team operate at its optimum? It's interesting because we've seen in consecutive games quite different 
midfield configurations for Arsenal. I was at Nottingham Forest uh, in the week and Emil Smith-Rowe started in central midfield alongside Rice and Martin Odegaard. Much more attack-minded shape and system and you know, one clearly picked for a game where Arsenal knew they were going to dominate the ball and the territory. It wasn't the case against Liverpool. I think they had about 40% possession. They went with that kind of almost double pivot of Jorginho and Rice. I think Arteta's tendency this season has been to kind of pick horses for courses, to adapt his 11 uh, as he sees fit. And I expect that to continue. I mean, you know, the kind of the elephant in the room is that Arsenal lost Granit Xhaka in the summer, who was a huge part of what they did in terms of competing for the title last season. They signed Kai Havertz ostensibly to replace him. For me, Havertz's best performances of Arsenal have come in the position he played against Liverpool when he's played as a kind of false nine. I think he's looked more comfortable there. I think Arsenal have looked more fluid when he's been there rather in midfield. So... It is kind of a, an ongoing discussion and I actually think it's something that will probably be addressed in the summer. I think Arsenal still need another quality midfield player if they're to really you know, run the likes of City extremely close and go all the way. For the time being, I think Jorginho showed enough last night that he certainly deserves to be in the conversation. And when the biggest games come around, it's interesting that Arteta does tend to pick him. If it's a City, if it's a Liverpool, if it's a United, Arsenal still have to go to Old Trafford this season. You know, I, I think Jorginho will play those games. And I think that's a compliment to him, really. Yeah, this brings us nicely into sort of Arsenal signings really over the last year and even in the summer as well. And let, let's stick on Jorginho, who we were lucky to speak to late last year. And you can find that on the Athletic YouTube channel. And also the art- article is on the Athletic at this moment in time. Um, Ollie, James talks about going up another level. It must be great to have a player of that calibre who's pretty much won everything, you know, across Europe to be able to bring on, despite the fact he's actually started five games for Arsenal this season. Yeah, he's got a, a sort of strange reputation in English football. I thought, obviously, he arrived at Chelsea at the same time as Sarri, and it, that first season didn't really work. I don't think he ever really sort of established himself at Chelsea in the way people were hoping. I don't think Chelsea fans ever really saw the best of him on a consistent basis. And I don't think I don't think Arsenal fans have done yet. He was a good squad addition midway through last season. He didn't. He didn't propel them to win the league and he didn't derail the challenge or anything like that. He was he was just a good a good addition who gave them an, an extra option. But he is at his best. He is a brilliant, brilliant player. And I thought he was absolutely outstanding yesterday. He was I mean even the first twenty minutes, thirty minutes you think, wow, he's running the show here. In a in a kind of understated way. Because he's it's it's intelligent, it's economical, incredibly good reading of the game. And yeah, maybe he will be the the guy who gives them that something extra that can move the team on because I I don't think the balance has been quite right in midfield this season with Arsenal and when James says Arsenal haven't yet hit their top gear I I would say I, I don't think Man City or Liverpool have either I think Liverpool perhaps at, at times over the last couple of weeks have put in some really good performances against Chelsea and Newcastle but they haven't really hit a level where you think wow they look like champions elect I don't think Man City have either and the worrying thing for Arsenal and Liverpool is that Man City hadn't done by this time last year either. They just they they just sort of came good in February, March, and having stayed in touch for so long, they then went up a gear, and then they looked like champions elect and barely dropped a point. And oh look, here's the FA Cup, here's the Champions League. So they they have the capacity to do that if they hit the level they reach or that they're capable of reaching. Well, I, I think this will be end up being a one horse race rather than three horse race. But if they don't hit that level, then 
Arsenal or Liverpool can definitely take advantage. City won it with 89 points last season. Arsenal got 84. I could see Arsenal improving on 84. I could see Liverpool improving on what, well, I mean, getting beyond that 84, high 80s, maybe, maybe 90, maybe low 90s, who knows. But if City really hit their peak form, if, if they get 90 plus points, I think anyone else will struggle to struggle to live with that. And we're talking about um, certain signings, Ollie, um, elevating this squad. I mean, Declan Rice, surely out of all the names we're going to probably throw into the hat right now, is the one that's showing, you know what, big games, big player, all that money, well worth it. Yeah, he's. If you watch Arsenal play, he doesn't always stand out. He's. He's. I mean, he can go long periods where he's just where he looks like he's just a cog in the machine, which is a pretty valuable thing to be a, a good, well, well functioning cog in a in a well oiled machine. But he seems to elevate the team. He seems to bring more out of the players around him. You know, he hasn't added an extra dimension technically or tactically I don't think I wouldn't say that midfield is functioning better than last season but I feel like he's the guy who can help drag the team through difficult moments and drag them sometimes you know moments like the uh, the winner at Luton the late goal against Man United he's had that kind of impact it's it's more a mentality kind of impact that I think has really distinguished his contribution and that might sound like faint praise like I'm dissing him as a footballer I'm really not He's, he's a brilliant footballer. I think he would improve any team, including Man City. But often it's about giving you those intangibles that perhaps make the difference. And I think that if you think of what Arsenal lacked in the second or the final third of last season in the run-in, it was experience, it was know-how, it was sort of doggedness, resilience, um, all those kind of things. And I think I think that's where he excels and that's where he can bring more out of the people around him. I want to move back into the sort of Havertz conversation, James, very quickly before we move on as well. In terms of, you know, the, the lack of firepower Arsenal do have at this moment in time. And, you know, I was shocked not to see Gabriel Jesus starting up front after such a prolific game previously. Do Arsenal now just end up playing with this sort of false nine centre forward or just come to grips with the fact that this is what they've got till the end of the season? Because also, I mean, in respect to Inketia, I don't think Arteta utilised him or used him yesterday or even didn't even feel like he was going to come on at any point. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. I mean, I think Arsenal's sent forward position is again something that will be addressed in the summer. In the meantime, this season, I think Havertz is an option, certainly. They've got a bit of a problem with Jesus because he can't seem to stay fit. You know, he obviously had that significant knee injury at the World Cup. But since then, there have been a number of, you know, little setbacks or, or niggles or twinges that have made him miss a couple of games here, a couple of games there. And when you look back over the year and a half he spent at Arsenal, he's now missed rather a lot of football. And for a player who Mikel Arteta once said... Well, he came here for a reason. I think he changed our world. I think he brought so much belief and energy to the team. To not have a player... Who, who changes your world available is a big, big issue. I think Arsenal, you know, they had a similar situation with Thomas Partey, who was absolutely integral to everything they did, but he just couldn't stay fit or wasn't available. And so they went out and bought Declan Rice. I think they'll attend to this in a similar way, probably in the summer. What they do moving forward, I think we will see Jesus come back in if and when he's fit. I think that he's their best striker. And I think he's the one who best suits the team. Is he an absolutely elite finisher? No. And nor is Kai Havertz. And that's something that Liverpool probably do have in Mohamed Salah when he returns. City certainly have in Erling Haaland. You know, world-class match-winning 
forwards. And that's just one area where I feel, again, I, I might be tempted to give the edge to those two in this kind of title three-way tussle that we're going to see over the next few months. Oli, I'm just thinking about, and something that's crossed my mind as James was talking, um, in terms of you know the financial restrictions that face teams at this moment in time, um, having players like Havertz, having players like Jesus, having s- players like Jorginho, uh, in, in a team at this moment in time, doesn't definitely guarantee them as starters. So it feels as if sometimes teams are sort of setting up their teams in, in, in sync with the opposition. So Havertz, you know, playing as a false nine for Arsenal because Jesus was injured, works very well against Liverpool, but perhaps Havertz will never be playing there, you know, in, in games moving forward because Arteta has those players at his disposal, but doesn't necessarily mean they're starters. Yeah, he he's very strategic, Arteta. He's very smart. He's not he's not a sort of obsessive strategist like a, a Rafa Benitez or Jose Mourinho, but he's very he's very studious the way he approaches each game. There is that horses for courses element that, that James mentioned. And clearly it was a lineup that was to some degree forced on him by by the circumstances, but I think it probably slightly suited the game in question, the same as it did against um, Manchester City earlier in the season. You saw a very different midfield, very different forward line against um, against Dottie Forest. So yeah, he, he's he's willing to mix it up. And I think probably the fact that, that they've not got FA Cup, they've not got League Cup, they'll probably have more, well, they will have more time on the training pitch. They're obviously going to have Champions League in a few weeks, but they, they're going to have a decent amount of time on the training, on the, on the training pitch, probably more than the other two. And, I think Arteta is the type of manager who will absolutely relish every extra session he can have with them to, to work on those things and to make sure that for every match there's a specific plan and that they are that they have the personnel and the and, and the and the knowledge to to thrive within that game plan. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to The Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akimolera. Let's move forward um, for the rest of the season. There's still a fair bit of it to go. Ollie, do you, do you feel... Um, Arsenal having the depth in this squad to to keep up this title race. I think Arteta made the point recently about saying it was one of the thinner squads in the in, in the league. It's certainly numbers wise in terms of depth in every position. It's not the sort of classic two international players for every position which Mourinho had at Chelsea in the in, in the two thousands. It's not like that. But most managers don't really like to function that way. You look at Man City's squad, and in terms of the numbers of players, the, the number of specialists in each position, it's it, it's really quite small. And you often look at 
at Man City's bench and there'll be sort of four or five, six youngsters making up the numbers. I think having versatile players and having players who are multifunctional and can work in different positions and excel in different positions, I think that can cover up a lot of the issues you have with numbers. So that I feel is is the advantage of of having a, a squad which, although it might not be huge numbers wise, has has got so many options in different positions. That's what Man City have been very good at. I, I think Arsenal's squad is quite similar in that respect. And I don't think the squad depth isn't necessarily a source of strength, but it's it would only really become a, a major weakness if if they have a number of injuries all at once in the same position, like, you know, central defence, that, that's an obvious one where you wouldn't want a, a number of issue, injuries all at once. But I, I, I don't see I don't see the squad as a particular weakness, personally. James, if we can zoom out of the Arsenal scenario and, and look at the, the third horse in this race, um, the most predictable horse in this race would be Manchester City. Pep Guardiola is watching that match, uh, Arsenal versus Liverpool. I basically tweeted a friend and said, you know, he's there smoking his proverbial cigar going, hmm, let, let, let it begin. Um, do you think it was a really good result for Manchester City? More, probably more a better result for Manchester City than Arsenal. Um, I don't know about that. I think Arsenal really needed the result. And so I think it's a great result for them. I do think, it, obviously, it suits City as well. You know, it prevents Liverpool from pulling away. As Ollie said, you know, there's something ominous about that idea that maybe all of these sides are yet to hit their best form. But if you had to back one of them to do so when it comes to March, April, May, it would be Man City every time. I mean, they've got such form for doing it. Kevin De Bruyne is back. Erling Haaland is back. Ominous is absolutely the word. And I I think if somebody finishes above them, They'll have won the Premier League. I think it's probably as straightforward as that. Uh, It's a tough one. And Arsenal still have to go to the Etihad as well. Uh, And they've got difficult away games, Arsenal, to come. Etihad, uh, White Hart Lane, Derby will always be difficult. Um, Old Trafford, maybe not what it used to be, but their record there is pretty poor. So, uh, yeah, I think City will be feeling confident. This is their time, really, when they start to click into gear. If they don't, then who knows? We might have a surprise. We might have an alternative winner. But yeah, if you ask me to put my money somewhere, it'd certainly be on City at this point in time. Yeah, I was just thinking as well, like I'm thinking about Arsenal's form after this sort of break in Dubai. Do you think it's really helped this squad to really re-energise and just shake off what has been a relatively disastrous December, James? I think so. I think a bit of distance uh, always helps. A bit of a, It was a bit of a reset. I think Arteta may even have used that word. I think these trips away are really good for squad harmony, for bonding between squad and staff as well. You know, it's unusual for them to spend that much time together. And I think it was a really positive trip. Quite hard work. I think Arsenal trained pretty hard. That'll be fascinating as well. Have Arsenal geared their physical preparation to ensure that they are at their strongest in those final few months of the season? Again, it's something City seem to manage so well you know don't come flying out the blocks but peak at the right time I'm sure that's something that Arteta and his medical staff will have been really carefully thinking about how could they use that winter break to make sure everything's properly calibrated to give them that good strong finish and we'll see we'll see how that plays out but definitely it seems to have benefited them and and they've responded really well to that little you know December wobble which I think with a bit of perspective we can say they were probably pretty unlucky. I mean, there was a series of games there that they dominated and just 
couldn't find the finish. Unfortunately, it was kind of one of those freakish anomalies that sort of happened to Arsenal. But I think they're back to doing what they do best now, which is controlling games and, and taking chances when they come. So they've righted the ship, certainly. Yeah. Do you, do you feel, Ollie, that Arsenal have the minerals to keep stringing uh, some good results together, um, kicking on from now and, and moving forward to really make this a truly three-horse race? I do. I mean, just just go back to what I, I said earlier. I do feel that if Man City hit top gear and if they, if they win the next, I mean, just look at their fixtures, they've got Brentford, Everton, Chelsea, uh, Brentford again, Bournemouth, Man United, if they win those next five or six games and then go to Anfield and win, I think the conversations we'll be having in, in a month's time are will be quite different. If Man City do that, if they hit top gear, I don't think anyone's going to live with them. If they don't, or if they don't do it consistently, or, or if Liverpool and Arsenal themselves can take points off City and others can as well, then it becomes a completely different question. And I do feel that mentality question was, was the slight doubt about Arsenal all last season. I didn't, I felt their, their mentality was excellent for two thirds, three quarters of the season. And then there was just, there was just always the question of how will they live with it when they inevitably hit a blip and when momentum is tested and, and taken away in, in the, in the run in, will, will they get anxious? And they did get anxious. There's no, there's no denying that. You can look at, you can break each mistake down and say no that, that 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 was just that was purely an individual error but I, I feel like their performances in that period at times not all, not all times but at times were even some of the games they won that that Bournemouth game for example it looked anxious it looked fraught we see that with Liverpool at times in in in, in title races um so I feel Arsenal look stronger mentally collectively for that last season's experience I think Declan Rice makes a difference the fact that other players are, are, are a year older, a year more experienced, but do I feel they've got as much mentally as Manchester City? Probably not, and, and I'd say the same as, as Liverpool. So unless between them, Liverpool and Arsenal can take enough points off City and hope that others do the same, I feel like however much improvement and however much quality and maturity and bottle and everything else Liverpool and Arsenal show, I, I do feel that like it probably won't be enough. But we shall see. It, it's it's the, the Arsenal Liverpool both look capable of running City close. It's just a question of whether whether it will be close enough. Yeah, I wonder how much of that mentality also rests on or having a stronger mentality in the la- in the fact that James, you know, Arsenal are they're only in two competitions really: Liverpool in four, Manchester City in three. They're playing less football. Yes, that's true. I, I think there was a fair bit of disappointment about that among the Arsenal fans because. At this stage in the project, there is, I think, a need for more silverware. Um, and the domestic cups obviously presented an opportunity to do that. They had some slightly tricky draws, in fairness to them. But yeah, it does mean that they can concentrate on the sort of two premium competitions. It'd be interesting to see how they juggle that. And again, how Mikel Arteta fares in European knockout football. If you look at his record at Arsenal, it's one area where I think he's open to some question, you know, he's not done great in Europe when the opportunities have come to him. So uh, he'll be determined to put that right and go deeper into the Champions League this season. That could suit Arsenal. I, I'm just, yeah, the, at the risk of repeating myself, I feel like both Arsenal and Liverpool ultimately need City to not do what they seem to do year after year. They need them to not find that extra gear because if they do, there's 
there's no living with them. And it's, it's, it is a bit frustrating from an Arsenal perspective talking about that. You know, you can have a fantastic season, an 85, 86, 87, 88 point season, and it may not ultimately be enough. And there were many years in the Premier League where it would have been, and you'd be a champion and you'd be remembered for, you know, decades to come. But there is this juggernaut in the division right now, and it's Pep Guardiola's Man City. And they seem very capable of competing on multiple fronts, as they did last season. That's the standard to which Arsenal at this point in time are still aspiring. And when it comes to the mental side of it, I do think the first title probably is the most difficult. I think once you've done it, you've got all those reserves of confidence and belief to draw upon. But the first one, you've got to overcome a real psychological hurdle. And it remains to be seen whether Arsenal are yet in a position to do that. Fantastic. Well, gents, let's end it there. James, Ollie, really appreciate your time and do not forget to rate and review the podcast. And we'll be back tomorrow for another episode of the Athletic Football Podcast. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Athletic Football Podcast. The producers were Guy Clark, Mike Stavro and Jay Beal, and the executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. To listen to other great athletic podcasts for free, search for The Athletic on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. The Athletic Football Podcast is an athletic media company production. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.